Hi guys, I'm Mahin. I'm Nishma. Welcome to C2K. C2K stands for Kalamata Karachi, a podcast where we talk about everything from pop culture to brown girl things. So come chat with us. As we promised last week, this week we have a Valentine's Day special episode and we are going to be talking about the queen of romance herself, Jane Austen. But first of all, happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Hope you guys are celebrating your best Galentine's, Valentine's, Valentine's, <laughs> self-love kind of day. Mahin, do you have any Valentine's Day plans? I have some Galentine's Day plans. We're mm-hmm. doing kind of like a different, like nugget board, chocolate board, games night. So it should mm-hmm. be interesting. That sounds you? really nice. I don't think I've ever actually done anything for Valentine's Day except maybe just watch romance movies that's it that's the best um, thing honestly a nice rom-com yes yeah I also it's a Monday and I work and I think I have like I have this big interview too so I'm like more worried about that but it's fine um, I should yeah who knows maybe at the end I of the day self-love you know for that day power yes. pose in the morning yeah you this is what you do when you're single <laughs> basically yeah but you know, it really makes me think because Jane Austen herself, like so many people say that her books are essentially just about girl meets boy, boy meets girl, they fall in love, so on and so forth. But I was recently reading this article and it was like a lot of people say, of course, Jane Austen is a feminist, which I personally believe. But then a lot of people say Jane Austen is an anti-feminist. And the article basically spoke about how maybe there is no right answer because it's all about the readers who are reading it how you kind of analyze her writing what you take from it mm. so I, don't know, I just found that really interesting yeah I think she's an interesting figure because obviously we read her now and we think one thing so I always wonder what did people think when they were reading her books at that time Absolutely. because she was writing about different kind of characters because from what I know um, at that time, people were writing about like full-on aristocratic uh, women, right? So she was writing about people who are kind of still in the kind of gentry because they do have land and stuff, but they're never super rich, like unless you're talking about Emma. Uh, but we'll come to specific books later. Uh, but most of her books, I feel like they're not that rich. And um, I don't know if you've read her first book, Mansfield Park, which I is... Have, but I wasn't uh, a fan you weren't okay I I've also heard that it's like her most controversial book so that tracks I um, read it when I was really young and I just remember finding it so boring but I think that was also before I understood Austin and yeah I think um that character is so different too like she's like someone who's like climbing the social ladder which is super different I think because usually she hates those kind of characters in the later books so that was really funny with her main character it is really funny but I think one thing she does really well is her characters are usually people who are really bad at reading other Mm -hmm. characters and I think that's kind of her inner social political commentary on the English gentry as well and maybe Mm -hmm. that's kind of her subtle message to us as readers, you know, that while you're reading this, maybe you're not really reading it as I meant it to be. Like, it's not just about the romance because the way she mentions everything is so subtle. Like, even the political commentary is so subtly included. I think that's part of why 
it's that part is the reason because it's based like on the english gentry and a lot of those political implications were really subtle at the time so people didn't talk about it as much i don't know there's yeah. so much you can say about austin <laughs> we won't name this person but we know someone who hates jane austen and this person always talks about how jane austen hates women i i also read this somewhere that she always punishes women anyone who behaves in any scandalous behavior she always punishes them which is interesting but i also think that's what the time she's from maybe that's why she wrote it i'm not here for austin's politics i am here <laughs> for i read there's basically two types of readers i think when it comes to reading austin i think this is really true in a lot of type of fiction and media we consume so there's people who read it for obviously recreational use people are like oh my god i'm just going to watch this movie and enjoy it and love it and even if it's horrible and then there's like one person that critically analyzes everything they read and watch mm-hmm. and i feel like you can be both people not everyone can be but if you're obviously someone who's into writing and into fiction and a journalist you definitely are both those people at different times in your life but i also think that's a compromise that comes with the genre like you can't read that time period and also be critical i'm not saying like you shouldn't be critical at all but when you if you go that deep then you're like oh my gosh these are the people who are colonizing other countries then you cannot yeah, read sure. anything you from that period you, can't you, yeah. you can't enjoy anything because the reason why they were rich and having parties and having like fun balls is because they were colonizing others so if you if you go in that mindset you can't enjoy anything so i feel like it's an all or nothing situation like either you just like oh i just don't like this period at all or you know the fact that yeah these were colonizers and then shut that part of your brain and then read all of these i don't know people just like doing nothing with their lives like every single day um which <laughs> is so funny but speaking of i also uh want to ask you did you ever think this is so south asian yes it really is it totally is i can imagine every south asian family with those comments especially um about what's her face catherine morland in northanger abbey when they say that she's almost pretty I feel like that's so common in South Asia. They wouldn't say almost pretty, but they'd say something like, oh, healthy air or something. I don't know. Yeah. And just like the whole pressure of getting married and getting married in like a good family and then all the aunties, the all the gossip. The status, all of that. Yes. And it's, it's so funny, I think. So I read Sense and Sensibility. I think that was my first Jane Austen book. and then i was just so struck that's like this can literally happen in sri lanka like and nothing will be changed maybe their names will be changed but this entire story can literally happen what's really funny is that there was this south indian movie it was a tamil movie and that was actually a retelling of sense and sensibility which is one of my favorite movies as a kid yeah and i think that movie was also just like opened my eyes because everything just applies that the con you take the context out but then it's literally everything applies to a south asian story so right and you said it in a different place even that movie uh bride and prejudice ashwarya i don't think i have watched that one do you like it i watched it as a child i remember like enjoying it i guess but i just never enjoyed the movie as much as i enjoyed the book i'll just say it 
Yes. But I might make um, an exception for Pride and Prejudice. Yes. Okay. We should we should probably talk about everything one by one. Adaptations. I mean, I guess we had to talk about the 2005 Pride and Prejudice, but uh which is the best. It's that and feel good comfort movie. It it really that. is. I have two like comfort movies and one is Tangled and one is Pride and Prejudice. And there's just something about Pride and Prejudice. It's like a comedy. That I think that's like the best part. It doesn't take itself seriously. It's so comedic and that's what's hilarious. But I generally like when I read her writing, I often find myself just laughing at how ridiculous the descriptions are. Not ridiculous as in badly written because her writing is lovely, but I mean ridiculous as in so extra sometimes. And I think that's what she's trying to hint at also because yeah. the characters are just oh god a lot. I... they're really flamboyant or they're really introversial they're really out there or they're really full of themselves and she is also really good at poking fun of her characters when he so sense and sense will get in for a level literature and my literature teacher in school was obsessed with Jane Austen's sarcasm every single time she was like you girls have to know that Jane Austen is sarcastic and like we know okay fine I feel like a lot of people don't get that. She's like, just like, Jane Austen's sarcasm. That was literally the one thing just she would remind us again and again. But she really okay. is so funny. Like her writing is like, has that tongue-in-cheek humor. It does. Her like, makes is another level, I think. Yeah. But, I really want to know more about her life. Honestly. There's so much that I'm like intrigued about. I'm like, I just want to know so much about her because everything that we have, even like the little bits of biographies, they just don't have enough information about her. That's true. But I kind of like this idea of her just being a very average person, just going on yeah. with her life, but then writing these like amazing books. For sure. Um, because there are some writers who also had very wild lives. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like the Brontes is... Charlotte Bronte hated Jane Austen. She, she did? Was- I didn't know this. He was not a fan. Yeah. I love this so much. I love, I love like I love like, like author beef but in like historic times. Yes. Me too. And you know what's really interesting is I know Austin was a really big fan of Radcliffe. Kind of like she references her in one of the books. It's really interesting I guess like some gothic fiction obsession. That's so funny. This because isn't Northanger Abbey like a parody of gothic fiction? Yes, it is. Oh god. It's in so Northanger cool. Abbey. Northanger Abbey is the it's my favorite by far, I think. Because that's, what's so interesting is that Austen herself like the generally I think Austen's narrators are always unreliable. I don't think you can ever trust them. <laughs> And that's what cracks me up when you're reading you're like, "Okay, are they really telling us the truth? Their commentary on life and society just seems off, you know?" But Yeah, I love that in Northanger Abbey you can see that there's certain bits in the book where Austen herself comes in and she uses the novel as a literary device, which is so interesting. And when my I studied this in uni and my professor told me this I was like, "What? My mind is blown." I was like, "I didn't know writers could do that. Like, can I do that?" Obviously, who has okay. those skills? My favorite is uh persuasion. I love a good Second chance romance. I love a good just pining and yearning and all the angst in that book. Yes. And that letter the man writes. Oh God, 
Penny says, I am half agony, half hope. I'm like, kill me right now. Seriously, seriously. That, oh my God. I am so excited for the adaptation with Dakota Johnson. I am, yeah, yes. I, I'm going oh to be God. all over that movie. I feel like I'll be all over it, but I might also be all over critiquing it. Yes. <laughs> in a fun way, in a fun way. Yeah, you know? but uh, but I think we have to come back to Pride and Prejudice just because I have so much to say about that movie. I saw someone talk about this on TikTok. Mr. Bennett is a bad parent. And I was like, this is an interesting take. But then you think about it. He really is. He just like, doesn't care about his daughters. Like, yeah. just, he, he is, he's funny and he has a good relationship with Elizabeth. But like he yeah. doesn't care about any of the rest of his daughters. Like literally one of his daughters runs away, gets married and he's like, oh, okay. Yeah, I do get that. But like the mom is doing the most. And at first three, like, you're like, oh my God, why is she doing this? But then you think it about him as a bad up. father. But why does she it feel like she, Yeah, but why does it feel like, almost as if she's doing things in the background? Like she's always there and present, but it feels like, I don't know, something about it. She's just character. orchestrating the whole thing. Yeah. Fun fact, she actually is the reason why Darcy fell in love with Elizabeth. Though I don't think so. I was just making that up. But that would be so funny if she had a hand in that. Like, I won't be surprised. Like, this is a woman who sends her daughter fully wet to another man's house. She doesn't even care that she's going to get sick. She wants that. You that, know? that bitch just got me. There's so many moments in it where you're like, is this really happening? Like, it's so dramatic, but it's so mm. entertaining also. Like, when and- the hand touch yes of course i feel like we need a whole episode for the hand scene uh do you know that it was improvised no really yeah it was improvised why is that scene so iconic it, it is i think i think they literally just did not even think that it will become as big as it is yeah. but i read this essay on hands it was just the erotic of hands and it was so beautiful because it was pretty much talking about how there's so much sexual tension in the lack of touch and in the lack of actually doing something which is why we all love these romances, right? Because you can't go beyond a certain level. It's just touching and looking and that's it. And even the touching has to be restricted to like certain body parts and like certain time. So the fact that the hand scene is so erotic is because nothing happens. So it's so beautiful to think about that like the more you keep out, the more it's exciting and attractive to the audience and the viewer and the reader that is so interesting and I think I love I think that you get a glimpse like yeah time when you really think about how different relationships were how different life was generally for women I think that's why we also have this love for like older yes. movies and also just like in general like a lot of Indian movies I, I watched these growing up right and they do nothing and that's the most romantic thing ever and Seriously. now I feel like more and more movies I'm not going to sound like a boomer who's like in my olden days and now movies are getting bad but honestly like I feel like when they actually show two people you know, kissing or having sex I'm like okay fine but then like Okay, but what about Bridgerton? See, okay, okay, Bridgerton is... (laughs) That's the exception. (laughs) I think Bridgerton is a whole different genre, but I do... Historical fiction 
today. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm that's what made it so bingeable. Imagine if someone were to do that with Jane Austen. I feel like that would be so interesting. Put sex in Jane Austen? I would hate that. Because there, there isn't sex in any of her books. <laughs> no, I would absolutely hate that. That would take no, every, but like, like Not in her books, like in a movie. I wonder like how that would change the characters for viewers generally. It's interesting. No, I, I would hate that. I think it's mostly because one of the reasons you love Jane Austen so much is because of the sexual tension and the propriety sure. and like yeah. the society and all that, right? And if you take that out, then it's like all gone. I mean, nothing against having sex in books, guys. Like, this is not me being like, don't have sex in books. But in Jane Austen, no. There's there's something very unique about the way that it those is. romances are written. They're like this like pretty picture and you're watching them from, the dis- like, from this distance. Yeah. You're so removed from it and yet you're so within that world that she's created that you're yearning to see oh my god like will the tension ever break and will they speak to each other when yes. will they lock eyes again so dramatic when will they send each other a letter wow. the, the fact that like letters have so much power in austin it's great i think i mean obviously the persuasion letter but then sense and sensibility was actually i think written as an epistolary yeah, most, of them, most of them were written as epistolary novels because she had to hide and write them right so mm, women just yeah. wrote everything in the form of letters right. and one of them was actually published solely as an epistolary novel but i don't remember which one it was but sensibility has so many letters it's literally yeah. just people there's whole plot points that are revealed through letters only and i think it's an interesting yeah. device to think of yeah because and that comes like, back again by the way unreliable narrator because when mm-hmm. it's written yeah. through a letter they're biased which is yeah, because you funny. also have people like forging letters writing sure. as someone else so that's like very interesting to think about you know something really... write a whole thesis about letters in jaina you totally could because that's what I love about the 18th century also the fact that like middle class women started writing obviously Mm. not including Mary Wollstonecraft and all but I love that and I read somewhere once that when visitors would come to Austin's house she would have to hide all her manuscripts and they were like little letters so she would literally like grab all the papers and hide them and that made me really sad but we're still reading her so yeah that's true yeah what's really funny is that wolf actually compares her to shakespeare at a certain point and she writes that she was a man at the time also because she started writing from the male gaze at certain points like when she writes letters and all yeah and i find that interesting i think that's where like a facet of that feminism comes from like yeah kind of like that's why all her men are like epitome of man written by a woman they are right men written by women are so much better than women written by men but what i like about austin is the fact that a lot of her novels i guess not a lot like some of them are coming of age novels what i find interesting is that they're not just coming of age for the female protagonist like northanger abbey i'll keep coming back to that because i'm obsessed with it Like Catherine and Henry both have to essentially come of age, have some form of a greater understanding. And I think that's so important because a lot of times when you're reading fiction, it's like, oh, one character isn't mature enough or the other character isn't. But in this case, it's like both characters have to go to a certain level of growth. And I feel like that's similar with like Elizabeth and Mr. Darcy as well, because both of them need to kind of come to the same level. Yeah, I, I think especially in Pride and Prejudice, people always be like one of them is pride and the other one is prejudice. But both of them are both in the fact, because sure. like, they, they both have to let their pride and prejudice out, go away. And it's like a character arc for both of them, which, which is always so beautiful. Like they 
both have to go through their own like redemption exactly. arc in a sense. I also saw this meme which is like Jane Austen naming the prettiest, uh, most eligible for marriage girl in Pride and Prejudice, Jane. It's like, but she's so funny. That's what cracks me up. Like, yes, own that. <laughs> Except she's like, I'll put myself in the book and I'll make myself the prettiest. <laughs> what do they call it in? Bridgerton, the gem of the season. No. Oh, yeah. Diamond of the season. Diamond of the season. Yeah. She was the diamond of the season. And there's so many like Jane Austen fan club societies where people like dress up as those characters. They just Mm. sit together and read her books. There's one actually in this small city in Pakistan. And I found that so random. I love that. Now I just really want to go and be a part of that society I, yes. I was like I'm here. I want to see this Jane Austen fan club it in Pakistan yeah, there's actually there's this, there's this book called Austenistan by this Pakistani writer and it's basically a series of short stories and that's why it made me think of what you're saying when you compare it to South Asian realities because that's exactly what she does and it's like this huge South Asian family they're trying to get her daughter married and that's super cool now I'm like trying to think of like actually adapting but I feel like we see a lot of Jane Austen adaptations in Bollywood. Have you watched Aisha? It's oh, a Sonam Kapoor movie and it's a retelling of Emma. Really? I feel yeah. like I've heard the name Aisha, but I don't recall. Sonam Kapoor is such a perfect Emma. I don't know why in my head I'm like, she just fits so perfectly. But yeah, it, they remade that and that's, that's a good movie. I liked it. And obviously I love Clueless, yeah. which is another Emma retelling. And I love the movie Emma. It was, I think, one of my favorite. Like, it's also like one of my you know, favorite adaptations. Oh, it's so good. I am in love with Anya Taylor Joy. I can just look at her eyes and face and just die happily. She's so beautiful, but it's so good. I think it also has the kind of like cheeky humor of like, yeah, not as much as Pride and Prejudice 2005, but it's it still has the kind of cheekiness of Austin, which I really liked. That's what I like love about adaptations is that all of them show you a different perspective to one story and I think that's the same thing as like let's say I read Austin when I'm 18 then I read Austin when I'm 22 and then I read Austin at 26 it would basically be a different perspective me reading mm. the same book and there's like different realizations and so many nuances that you didn't pick up on before I think I don't know I read Persuasion when I was much older not much older I say as if I'm like in my 40s but I like read it like after I turned 20 and I think I really appreciated it because I was in my 20s I yeah. don't know if I would have liked it as much if I was younger. Uh, but this happened to me a lot with Jane Eyre. I know you're talking about Austin. But because when I read Jane Eyre for the first time, when I was like really young and I loved it. I was like, this is the epitome of romance. Rochester is my dream man. And then I grew up and I read it again. And I was like, what the fuck? This is horrific, literally. You know, no, JK, but I still uh, think that their romance is so good. That is okay. my toxic trait. That is your toxic trait. Yes, okay. So I was very much right I yearned for that. I thought it was everything. And then when you, like, it's like, there's like slow little cracks in the book when you mm. start getting deeper into the darkness. And when you really find out what Rochester is all about. But I have this... Uh, they used to sell these bite-sized versions of all the classic novels, right? Mm-hmm. Back in the day. So I have one for Jane Eyre, actually. And I read it quite a bit because it's one of those books, you know, it's just comforting. It's just so good. It's so addictive, even though, you know, it's like so messed up. 
but still i love it this i'm telling you this is my toxic trait just how much i love jane i but but how much would jane austen hate us that we are talking about charlotte bronte in an episode that right is dedicated to austen this story i feel like bronte would be like yes yeah. my people <laughs> but no i feel like i just have this weird obsession like since always with 18th century british fiction and victorian fiction just because of how one removed and yet eerily similar it is to our society yeah. i think i i don't remember who said this but one of our friends was like i think jane austen is secretly muslim and i was like i can see that you know it's really funny my thesis was actually like that obsessed with it that my thesis was actually about victorian fiction also and That's comparing cool. it to comparing it to my society today it is like too similar that i i think that's why it's like so popular and like even though we are like so many generations removed like it's still popular yeah. with us but i think part of that is can also be traced back to colonization because of the fact that there's so many british schools and the system itself forces mm. you to read a lot of fiction yeah that makes sense because i mean like i said i read sun 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 really for my elevals and yeah. i read jane i for all of us i think and i read great expectations for elevals as well which i absolutely hated but that is not you uh, said great expectations okay only because i was forced to read it and then i could not get into it i think i would have actually enjoyed it maybe if i had read it by myself because well, there's so much gothic stuff it, happening So, oh god but just the first chapter itself i've read like 10 times my friends and i were like we were also so late because i eight hours were like in like a month and we were just reading the book and oh my god we were trying to rush and we would just fall asleep while trying to read it oh god it was, it was torture but um, i i read wolf for my eight hours and that was when i fell in love with her and then i found out she was racist when it came to brown people and it broke my heart but i <laughs> put that in a box and yeah i'm it. telling you you have to shut your I'm brain like one part back. of your brain in order to enjoy exactly because she inspired so much of my writing and just like so much of my obsession with fiction and stream of consciousness writing so i was like sorry i'm just not going to think about that it's horrible times were different and we have to kind of acknowledge that it's all about i think can you separate the art from the artist and a lot of the times no i can't but in this case i was like yes i will <laughs> yes yeah so i think we should probably wrap up i don't know how long we've been talking but <laughs> yeah, i i want i want to do this little <laughs> question what do you think you would be like who do you think you would be in a jane austen book i don't know okay so i love elizabeth but she could also because she has that like she takes on that like older sister element and she's kind of like she controls things but she's also kind of like mysterious in some ways and she's i don't know there's something about her character that i always find really appealing but i don't know if i'd be her maybe i'd be catherine who would you be i um, i think i'd be ann I don't know just because I love persuasion but also I think I'll be that person who will just sit and be like oh no my life everything is gone wrong I will do nothing about it I feel like or maybe I'd be one of those mothers you know the ones who like sit okay. and just like watch everything happening on the yeah. sideline I would love to be an Emma I think that is an energy that I would love to claim for myself even though I know I'm not like I that as well but I don't have that <laughs> I don't have yeah, that. I don't have the money <laughs> and I don't have the energy to be Emma, but I would love to be her. She she's iconic. I think we'd all aspire to be her. Mm. I think in reality I think but who are we really? Yeah. True. 
true, true. That's a good food for thought for all of you. Think uh, about yeah. who you will be in a Jane Austen and uh, universe. Because... Yes. And yeah, thank you for joining. Uh, we hope you love <laughs> loved a very random conversation about all things Victorian. We went from Jane Austen to Charlotte Bronte. We told you guys we love to talk, so we could go on forever. Uh, but uh, we hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, we'll see you all next week. Uh, thank you for watching. Bye. Bye.